Hi there. Hi, welcome to the show. How about you introduce yourself? Hi, um, I'm Alistair Aitchison, and I'm uh, an independent games developer. I uh, wrote a game called Greedy Bankers, which has just launched on the App Store. It's been out for a, a few weeks so far. And yes, I've, I've just released the, uh, the, the um, thingy, the, the first update um, came out last night. So um, <laughs> exciting times at the moment, really. What's, what's the game about? Well, it's a it's a kind of it's a puzzle game, sort of. If you think along the lines of Tetris or uh, Puyo Pop Fever, if you've ever played something like that, you have this bank vault and it's filled with coloured gems, and you have to sort of rearrange them into squares. And the bigger squares you can make out of these gems, the more cash they're worth, and you have to cash them in for money. And every round you get a sort of higher and higher cash target, which is given to you by the bank manager. And you have to, um, you know, you have to avoid all these robbers, robbers which come into the vault and try to steal your gems. And there's rubble which falls from the ceiling and you need to use some of your gems to get rid of the rubble. So there's a lot of balancing of, um, of risk and reward there. You have to try and work out what's my best strategy? Should I cash in the gems now and make a load of money? Or should I, should I use these gems to get rid of the rubble? So um, that's, that's how the game works. It's yeah. sort of good casual fun, <laughs> really. And how did you, uh, what inspired you to get into mobile games? Well, I mean, it began, I graduated from university um, back last summer and decided that it was a good time to go into into independent games. Um, and it was really, I, I did a lot of experimenting, playing around, trying out different things. And I mean, the first thing was that the iPhone market seemed like the best thing for me at the time. It was, uh, you know, it was open to developers and there was the possibility of, you know, making a real solid income out of it, you know, if you if you get some kind of breakout hit, for example. Yeah. And then the other thing was that Greedy Bankers, which was a game I developed as a prototype sort of during my degree, uh, was really well suited to the to the sort of touchscreen interface. And I thought, well, this is actually a perfect opportunity because I've already got a game which I think will work very well on the touchscreen. Okay. And... Um... So what? So so you finished university. You decided to make a game. Um, yeah. How long did it take to make the game then? Well, it's. Uh, I think it must have taken about three or four months to go from sort of starting the iPhone version to the finished iPhone version, and it was actually it was quite a yeah it, it's quite a, a long process, a lot longer than I expected because the original version I made for the experimental gameplay project i don't know if you know of that already it's yeah. Uh, it's yeah it's the, it's the group of people who did um world of you know it spawned world of goo and that and i took sure. part in that and that game took me two weeks to make when i made the prototype so i thought okay this is going to be nice and easy maybe a month because it's a full commercial product but it ended up taking a lot longer but you know time well spent really so oh. three month development time Oh, why did it take uh, three months? What were the issues that created or made it uh, take longer? I think the key thing is that 
when you're when you're making a prototype, it's okay if there's bits which aren't quite right. You know, the, the title screen was a bit it was very sort of very prototypey. The animations weren't very good, and all of the graphics had been done. I'd sort of done them quite quickly and said, "Yeah, they're good enough." And of course when you're making a commercial product and you think people are actually going to pay money for this, you don't want to have stuff that's good enough. It all needs to be perfect or at least as close to perfect as you can get it. So I ended up spending a lot of time going back to the character designs, trying to design these banker characters um, because funnily enough in the prototype, there weren't actually any bankers in the game at all. Um, And when I came to when I came to doing the artwork, I was going to add in all these banker characters who would sort of comment on your progress and things. Um, and I sat down in front of my computer to draw them and thought, "Wait, what does a banker even look like?" Um, and it, it's so that took. I ended up doing a lot of concept art, which I hadn't originally expected to do, and getting feedback on that. And then making the animations and things took a lot of time because I wanted them to be good rather than kind of placeholder animations which had been in the prototype. Um, and then I think, you know, there's there's other things that you have to consider. There was a bit of a learning curve because I was learning Objective-C sort of. I, I, I did it for a couple of weeks before the project and then I said, right, I'm ready to get on with this. But there were a few learning curves I had to go through here and there during development and um, bugs of course it has to be 100% bug free or at least as close as you can get when you send it out whereas with a prototype if it crashes occasionally people aren't going to get upset about it they might you know get a bit irritated but they're not going to come back shouting I want my money back (laughs) you know so it's, it's a real combination of things Really, but mostly it's it's about trying to have something that you know. If if I paid money for this, would I be happy with it? It's a bit yeah. different to if I downloaded this for free, would I be happy with it? Um, what? Why did you uh, just decide to do Objective C versus uh, Unity or Corona? Well, there are there are uh, there's a bunch of reasons. I mean, at, at the time. I didn't have a massive understanding of the of the options available to me, which is um, a shame, really. And perhaps it would have been better to go for doing something in C++. But I knew there were a lot of resources for Objective-C, um, including Cocos 2D, the game library I used, uh, which has actually been ported to C++, but I don't know if it's as stable or is... Um, Sort of versatile as the as the Objective C version, but it was mostly a question of what resources were there for me to work with. Um, in future, I would I would probably move on. To, you know, try something working in C plus plus or something, and using the Cocos two D for C plus plus perhaps because it makes it a lot easier to port it to other platforms. Um, but you know, retro, retro, um, retrospect is always uh, twenty twenty. <laughs> so, sure. uh, um, but I, I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy with the way I did it because Cocos Two D is a it's a wonderful library to use. I'm I'm very happy with it. So, you know, I would recommend that. 
And what are, um, so did you do it alone? Did you try to get another partner or another student to help you? Um, uh, just, it just seems much more challenging, challenging to do this stuff alone. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I did it all alone. It's kind of one of these things I wanted to do. I, 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 I wanted to go indie for, for the autonomy or something. And I, I just like the challenge of doing it all on my own and saying, you know, this is... It, it was really just the way I wanted to work. And I know that I can... I'm, I'm quite lucky because I can do the artwork as well as the coding. Yeah. Um, and you know, so the only thing that was a real challenge was the music but um i ended up using um uh, some creative commons music actually in the game uh which is from a website uh danosongs.com i don't know the guy's real name but he calls himself dano um yeah. does some great stuff and um, i'd recommend it if anyone needs it but really i you know, because I could do all the graphics and all the programming, I kind of wanted to do them both and put them both together and make them both kind of how I wanted, how I wanted to see it. I think the hard bit of this, you know, working on your own is actually once you're doing all of these things, you realize there's actually a lot of pressure on you to do them right. Um, and I think that's something I hadn't really expected. But yeah, it's it's all part of the all part of the challenge and all part of the fun, really. What were the initial playtesting sessions like? How did people respond as you were um, getting the game in a state where it could be tested and played? Um, it, I had some actually really good feedback from all the players, and that's one of the things I was very happy with, is a lot of the players, they learned how to play very quickly, um, yeah, I, there were some times where I'd show it to people, show people the prototype on my phone and, and they'd have a go on it and they'd say, oh, wow, this is fun. And there were other times I would send it off to beta testers and things. And, you know, the, the great thing with them is that, you know, it forces me not to be there hovering over their shoulders yeah. and, you know, uh, sort of giving them hints if they don't get it, um, and so it was quite nice when people worked out how to play it, um, you know, quite quickly. I think the thing that it did sort of point out in a way that was that, you see, in the game, there is this very heavy, heavy strategy element in it. In order to do well, you have to think strategically right from the beginning. But I think some of the playtesters did kind of sort of, they just didn't, see that that was there and they thought you know this is good fun um but it's not something that they would spend a lot of time on whereas yeah. other players who had you know who did spend a lot of time playing it got kind of sucked into it more and more but i i think the hard bit it did point it out to me that it was actually quite hard to say you know to be able to say to people look you know this is great to you know pick up and play stuff but there's actually this heavy strategic element in there which is quite fun to play around with yeah and um how long did it take to how did you design that strategic element what well i have this kind of you know i i always whenever i design a game i try to make it i i i use this term it's it's probably sounds really naff but i call it simplex which yeah. is all about you have kind of complex uh, complex approaches and strategies which evolve out of a sort of simple play mechanic. 
So if you've got some sort of, if the rules of the game are very simple, but you can do a lot of quite complicated stuff from that. Um, so, you know, in in this game, it was it's a lot about the balance of uh, risk and reward, a lot about the balance of if there's rubble falling down into your vault, you know, do you, is it worth cashing in your gems now to get rid of the rubble or sort of bearing the rubble for a while so that you can make some big, really valuable gems, but then you might end up with a, a screen full of gem, a screen full of rubble and no space to do anything. And it's about balancing these risks and kind of thinking on your feet. And then that's where the robbers come in as well, because they drop in every so often and they'll run around your grid and you know that'll force you to change your tactic on the fly and then you have to make these quick sort of snap decisions and any any time you spent you spend sort of wasting you know spending time trying to decide what to do is putting you more and more at risk you so it keeps you having to um keep on thinking about what is my best way to play here um so yeah so i i designed it really with this idea that it was supposed to be um you know a very simple few sort of set of rules to the game but that the strategy would emerge as people explore well what what different ways can i tackle these quickly emerging problems yeah now let's talk about the uh, publishing of the app so you you finish the game um, yeah. What did you decide at that point? Were you going to release it for free? Were you going to charge? Uh, what price did you decide to go with? Well, I decided I, I launched it at um, one pound nineteen. That's uh, one dollar ninety nine. Um, and yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't want to. I, I I knew I had to release it for paid. You know, for paid. It didn't really fit into a kind of. Uh, free-to-play model um, and I wasn't convinced that would be a way I wanted to go anyway um, and of course I do need to make money from it so it would have to be something um, I I wasn't too keen on putting it at the sort of 99 cent price point because I don't I think there's a lot of stuff that goes out there for 99 cents and you know it it could be anything you know anyone could have made it and if i put you know if i put the price at one dollar 99 it's saying hey this is a you know this is something that i've put effort into this isn't made by someone looking to you know get a get a quick buck this is yeah it, it just to me I, I i just felt it made it look a bit more special really yeah. and i mean that's that's the base price point um it's actually you know it's on sale at the moment for that and um you know the standard price point will be um it's the next tier up so that's 1 pound 79 or um 299 but yeah i i see it, it's i don't want to price it too low because it is a premium game it is something i put a lot of effort making a kind of trying to make this sort of optimal puzzle arcade experience rather than sort of just something that's you know purely pick up and play fun it's it's something that you are going to want to come back to again and again and it's uh yeah i want people to buy it and say well this this is special you know i and and i'm glad i spent you know more than i normally would for an iphone game on this yeah 
And but how do you reconcile that with the fact that even a lot of high profile games are free, like Angry Birds and stuff like that? Um, um, most people and have you did you think about having a light version and then a paid version? Um y- yes. Um I mean I haven't the problem is with the light version is the way the game works. It's quite hard um, to um, work out, well, what features would I take away for the light version that wouldn't just, you know, leave a bad taste in players' mouths? I decided, yeah. because the game, you know, you can potentially get as far as you want um, from the first time you play. You know, it's a, it's a case of how good you are, and you keep on coming back to it and trying to get better. I mean, it's not like, um, say, Angry Birds, for example, is divided into levels and they can give you, say, um, the first 20 levels for free and then you pay for the rest. If you look at something like Tiny Wings, for for example, that's a really lovely game. Yeah. Um, but with that, you, know, you can't make a light version of that, really, because it's all one thing. You, know, you get to level seven by beating level one. And once you get game over, you start again from level one and it's not. Um, and if you put a sort of cap on that and said, right in the light version, you can't get past level four, then it w- people wouldn't enjoy it. People would say, Oh, that's not fair. And they wouldn't be encouraged to buy the proper version. Yeah. Um, Okay, so you released the game for one ninety nine yep. uh, US. Uh, what what was the result? Um, well, it had quite a it had quite a good f- response in the first few days. It's um, been yeah, it's been fairly slow since, and I guess that's really the you know that seems to be the way of things. I'm not the first person who's um, you know who's had the experience of uh, you know quite a few sales on launch. Um, and not a few, uh, a lot after. And I think that's because I built up a lot of people who are already interested in the game. And, you know, I had a lot of friends and family and, and, you know, people I'd met at events and things. And they sort of helped spread the word to people that they knew. But um, once people who'd already been anticipating the game um, were, you know, had already bought it. You know, then came comes the hard bit of finding new people, finding new people who might be interested in playing. Yeah. Um, and so, what what marketing steps are you taking to get the word out to build a brand for your little studio? Well, I've I've, I've got quite a few things going on. I've, I've, I keep a I keep a Twitter feed and uh, I've got a Facebook page, which I try to keep updated with current current news on the projects and what i'm working on um also a blog for similar things and some more kind of extensive articles there um another thing i do is i I try to keep track of websites and forums and you know see what people are saying on touch arcade and comment on a few things where i can and be part of the community um i'm also a um i'm also a member of um take source um and you know they tend to yeah, I, I, that tends to be more sort of developers rather than players on there. But it's a, it's a good community to be, to be part of. The big, th- you know, I'm, I'm trying out a lot of different things and seeing what I can do. And the big one that I've started recently is um, doing videos based around my work and what I'm doing. And, you know, trying to tell the story of, you know, how did I design this or... 
you know, what was it like developing it? What different things did I go through and turn these stories into videos? And I think that's that's quite nice because that's quite I think people will respond quite well to watching that, um, you know, as opposed, you know, it's it means I can show stuff up, uh, show stuff up off sort of while I'm talking about it, which is quite nice. So I'm hoping to build up that and then hopefully a following can build around that and people will say oh wow, this this guy's you know got some interesting experiences um i'm sure his game must be interesting too as well or at least i hope they'll say that that'll yeah. be nice and so you post these videos on youtube then yeah yeah um the the first one which i i um well i put up last week um the the title of the series is um indie developer notebook so the first one is up now, and it's uh, called uh, Designing Greedy Bankers. And it's all about how I designed the game around this kind of this simplex mechanic, this sort of complexity emerging from the simple foundations. Yeah. And are there any other things that you're going to do to help promote the game? I mean, this is an issue that a lot of uh, small developers have, is once they release the game, they get a little push, and then that's it. You know, yeah. and so how are you, how are you going to fight, I'm not fight the trend, but change the trend? Yeah, I, I guess that's a challenge really. And I, I'm afraid I don't, um, I would love to know um, a nice simple answer to that yeah. as well. Um, well, do you talk but, to other developers and other indie like mobile developers and just see what they're doing or cross promote or what's, Yeah. I do. I mean, it, it is early days at the moment. Um, it's only been out a few months, but I mean, I do. Um, you know, I am friends with quite a few other developers, and um, you know, try to keep up a dialogue. But it, it does seem to be a bit of a, um, a holy grail, really, to find out how you can. You know, is there a way to really break through into people's interests? There's one thing that I really like is Headcase Games, who are. Uh, um, uh, they they produced a puzzle game called 180. It's a really nice game. And what they do on their Facebook page is they do a lot of competitions where the prizes are other games and developers donate promo codes and things like that um, for them to give away as prizes. And I think that's a really nice way to do it, a nice way to um, cross-promote and get get publicity for you know each other really um at the moment i'm not I'm, I'm not involved myself in anything like that but it's something that i'm um you know trying to get into really so um yeah yeah um what's next in store then for the studio well the next thing i'm working on is the well i've got um another update for greedy bankers coming up where i'm going to add in a new game mode it's going to be a sort of slower sort of puzzle-based um, mode, rather than the kind of fast and frantic um, main mode. It's going to be, um, you're going to have a lot of time to stop and think um, while you plan ahead, um, rather than sort of, you know, having to think on your feet. Uh, so it's a different feel. The next thing I'll be doing is uh, the iPad version, which is already sort of partway through development, because a lot of it is, you know, it, it will be evolving from the... Um, the iPhone, you know, the iPhone version that's out already. Um, but what that's going to add in is there's going to be a few more 
a couple more game modes which would work because the screen size is bigger so i can use a bigger game board in the game which you know should encourage some more unusual approaches and different things i can do with that bigger size it's going to be local multiplayer so you can you can share um an ipad with a friend and you take one side your friend takes the other side and you're playing against each other and one of the nice things about that is i i I, what i hope will work quite nicely is that you'll be able to reach across the screen and steal your opponent's gems onto your side um which is a bit cheeky but um there'll be you know nothing to stop you from doing that and hopefully that would be you know quite fun to encourage people to be a bit cheeky when they're playing the game uh what are your thoughts on ipad versus iphone are you thinking maybe just focus on ipad now because there are too many apps for iPhone, or develop for both? I'd say develop for both. I mean, I made the decision with Greedy Bankers that I wanted the iPhone version and the iPad version to be two separate products, because I could... There is functionality I can add to the iPad version that I just can't do on the iPod version. So it kind of... It, it makes sense to have it as, you know, the two separate products, um, really, because... You can't really do the pad sharing multiplayer on the on the iPhone, for example. But I I don't think I would sort of choose one over the other, especially when it's so easy to port between the two because they both run on the same same iOS essentially. Um, it's just a bigger screen size, and if you can make a game which supports both, then you know that's that's quite a nice position to be in. I think um, I'm actually quite excited about the iPad version and about doing other iPad games in future because the bigger screen size is quite fun to work with. And I think the people, the way that a lot of people use the iPad, um, it's, you know, lends itself to, you know, relaxing on the sofa and, you know, if you spend half an hour playing playing a game. Whereas I think a lot of people see the, um, the iPhone for whatever reason, as uh, something something that you'd play while you're on the bus or in a waiting room or something, rather than uh, a games platform that you could sit down with and, you know, enjoy with a meal. <laughs> you know, I kind yeah. of enjoy, enjoy while relaxing on the sofa. It's, so, yeah, I'm excited about the iPad, but uh, about iPad games, but I, I will always be supporting both rather than just focusing on one. What are your thoughts on Android? Android. Now that's, I think, you see, that's something I um, kind of shot myself in the foot by choosing Objective C early on. Yeah. Um, and as I said, hindsight is twenty twenty, and maybe that wasn't such a great decision. Um, I do like the iPad. Uh, the um, you know, I like the idea of Android. I don't think it's quite as. Um, um, in terms of you know the market isn't quite as um, evolved as or as popular as the um, as the iPhone app market. Um, I don't. I, I must admit, I don't really know it that well because I don't own an Android phone. And if I owned one, I would probably understand it a bit better and you know have a good idea of how to approach it. Um, it does. Uh, yeah, at the moment, the number of apps being sold on the iPhone is considerably greater 
than that on the Android platforms, but that's something that could change. And also, I, I mean, I don't actually know how the kind of, how competitive the Android market is, and that's one of the problems with the iPhone market is is that it is already incredibly competitive. Yeah. So yeah, I I would you know with future products, I would probably develop with Android in mind from the start. Um, it's a little unfortunate that I didn't think of that with um, greedy bankers, but you know, um, I think we all learn these things along the way, really. Yeah. And where do you see the future of your studio going? Um, that's um, a good question. I mean, my, my studio is, it, it is just uh, me. I'm, I'm all alone. And it will probably depend on, you know, A, how well Greedy Bankers does. And if, um, you know, if working this way is actually you know, a good way to run a business. Um, otherwise, I will probably be rethinking um, a few of my strategies, and I, I can't really say, you know, what I will change. I will have to kind of look back at and see, okay, how could I have done this differently? How could I have I done that differently? Are, you know, are people interested, you know, or at least on on this particular platform, are they interested in playing the games I want to make or should I be looking at a, a different platform? You know, I, I just, I don't have enough information to, re to be able to say conclusively at the moment, but you know, with time, hopefully, <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. And what suggestions do you have for other indie game developers looking to get into mobile? Okay. Well, I think if you are, looking um do a lot of research i think would be my first answer um yeah. i mean i i yeah i can't say i didn't do any research i did quite a bit of research but um you know had i thought through a bit more i would i might have um found out a bit more about you know being able to develop for android and ios kind of simultaneously and making it a lot easier for me to port um so that's something I would recommend looking into. I mean, if you are looking at, um, if you are decided that you want to use Objective-C, I would definitely recommend the Coco's 2D platform. I, I've used it. I think it was, yeah, I think it's brilliant. It's um, If you've used Flashpunk before, it's quite a bit like that. And, you know, if you've used XNA, which yeah, I did the original prototype of greedy bankers on back um back before the summer you know it's it's slightly similar to that as well it's the same kind of vibe so it, it works very well and it's incredibly well supported by its community so it's um i think it's cocos2d.org is the web address and they have a, a lot of tutorials the forums there's lots of very helpful people on there so that would be my recommendation and also expect it to take longer than you think it will <laughs> Right. And where can listeners check out the game, find out more about, you know, progress of your games and stuff like that? Okay. Um the best place is probably to look at www.greedy-bankers.com or greedybankersgame.com. Um and that will take you to the Greedy Bankers website. Uh, my name's quite hard to spell, um but if you look for alistairhison.com um, you can find out more about my work from there as well um, there's a link to it on the Greedy Bankers page as well um, 
as as is a link to the blog and the Twitter feed. Great. Um, thank you very much for your time. Take care. Thank you. Yep. Bye. Bye.